So if you've got your Bibles before you or your, your, uh, your device uh, in your lap or in your hand, make sure that ringer's turned off and uh, we're, we're ready to go. Um, your passage is found, all you got to do is get to the end of uh, uh, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28, uh, the, the longest gospel. And this passage is considered the marching orders of the church. Uh, Jesus' swan song, I'm going to say a little more about that in just a minute. But the, the encouragement here in these words that, that you need to know, that we call the Great Commission, is this whole concept of who we get to be as the people of God and what we get to do as the people of God. Um, it, it's very easy to make this shoulds and oughts, and, and I just want to—I just want us to understand this morning that this is a, this is not a have to. This is a get to. This is what it's all about as the people of God. And I just want you to, you know, if you could, if a little bit of me can rub off. I get, share my excitement, okay, for for the next twenty minutes or so. Here's the question for us this morning: What is our true response to rebirthing the church? You guys have been talking since before I got here about a restart for chapel, a rebirthing. I think Marilyn, Pastor Marilyn probably coined that term for us, a rebirthing of the church. So, so what do we really, really think about that, okay, is my question. What's our initial response? Um, yeah, so I, I, I make it easy, you know, like SAT, I did really, I, I did my, I shouldn't say I did really good, I did really lousy on my SAT test way back then, but I did my best when they gave me the answers and I just had to, oh, looks like C or D, so, so here's, here's a, okay, so what is our true response to be birthing the church? A is, um, I'm all in, uh, B, uh, sounds right. Um, C, we probably should. Um, uh, D, um, uh, seems like a lot of work. Um, E, uh, maybe a little scary. F, not real sure. G, I gave you more options than just A through D, right? Any other options? Any other way we could, you know, I just, I just think birthing. It's messy and painful and ridiculously joyful and life-giving all at once. I mean, God knew what God was doing, putting these things together. Be honest this morning. Truck with me a little bit. We're gonna, I'm gonna take us to a, a special place in this passage. Uh, and how do you really feel? What do you really think? Um, this determines how committed you are. It's okay if you've got, you know, one foot in and one foot out for this morning. Okay, uh, we have to start where we start. We can't we can't begin where we're not. So uh, I just want you to to have all of that. So by way of context in the passage, I, I just I'm going to read. The whole Great Commission, we're only going to look at, at verses 16 and 17, and we're going to do that over the next five or so weeks and just take this really slow. But this is, uh, this is the, the 
final piece of the gospel of Matthew. And, and it says, verse 16, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee to a mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, another form of birthing them, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always. Love that. I love how God, Jesus, can be resolute. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Two, uh, two pieces of the puzzle here in terms of the context. This is one of four sending summaries of the gospel. So as you've already figured that out. So all four gospels have some resolution to the whole picture and it's, it's balled together and packaged in a sending. And then Luke, we're going to look at this at the, at the beginning of October. Luke then kind of does it again in the beginning of Acts and, and does another kind of sending um, summary, and then he's, he's taken up into heaven. So we're going to look at that at the first Sunday in October. So these are sending summaries. Matthew happens to be the most succinct, organized, and detailed of the sending summaries, and so that's why we're camping out here. So the bulk of verse 16 and 17, and I'm just going to read those again. Then the 11 went to Galilee to a mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. You might be saying already, well, Jeff, don't you need a little more scripture? I mean, you know, we're, we're going to get to lunch early. I mean, uh, no, this is really, this is, this is packed. This is great stuff. So, the easiest thing I could say about this is all of the disciples that had remained standing, all the apostolic disciples, we don't have Judas anymore, the 11, they all obeyed and they all worshipped Jesus. Isn't that a wonderful thing? All of the disciples, they obeyed and they worshipped Jesus. All of them, regardless of what happened to them on that three-day experience where they thought he was gone and he wasn't going to come back and they, they thought it was all over and everyone was really upset, they, they, they cherished in their heart Jesus saying, meet me in Galilee at this mountain, this place, and you'll see me there. They all got that and they all obeyed him. They, 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 they put that together. And, and the same is true when Jesus then, as they're all, you know, I don't know if you ever showed up someplace early, <laughs> you know, and you, you, are they coming, you know, and boom, Jesus is there in their midst. They all worship and obey. So I, just a couple things I'd like to say about that. First, obedience clarifies intention, okay? Obedience clarifies our intention. How we act is telling. I think today more than ever, 
we are no longer listening to words. We're listening to action. Right? This is something that's really kind of coming up. Words, words are, are really getting mushy these days. They're, they're, they're getting loose and falling apart. And the, to know the true intention of someone is, is how they obey. In, in, order, in other words, to say a little more negatively, let me say this. We can't talk our way out of something we've behaved ourselves in. Okay? That, is, that is the true accountability of, of the human condition today. Yet just really most of us can't talk ourselves out of uh, what people see us doing. And so this is the moment of truth for the disciples and they pass this test. They've, they've been obedient to everything and, 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 and they're here now. And, and, they're, and, and their words... Uh, are, are, are eclipsed by actions of, of traveling all the way from Jerusalem back up, and they're there. The second part of this is also true, and, and needs uh, the referencing of, of a couple of these points, and, and that is this. Um, worship clarifies our authority. Okay? Worship Clarifies. So if obedience clarifies what our real intentions are, in other words, if we have intentions and they're going to be real, it means we're going to do something about it. And if we worship, or I should say this, pay attention here, what you worship tells you who has authority over you. Wow. Oh, that's a little more, ouch. You see, what you worship is what, uh, what you've given yourself to. And, and they, get the, they, they get the whole thing, right? So, um, it, you know, whatever we worship, has, we've given it power over us. So here's the problem, we, you know, in an addicted society, you see, that's, the, that's the, the greater power of addiction more than anything else. We've handed ourselves over to it. Talked to a pastor friend of mine last night and uh, come to find out his, his, his pray for me. My son is dealing with a meth addiction. He's given himself over. Now that's, that's really dramatic and, you know, wow, you yeah, so so I just want to. I always want to bend it back the other way to, to get to the rest of the garden variety Christians. Notice how people who become addicted to entertainment, sports, TV, whatever. Now all of a sudden your schedule is changing to that. Okay, obviously a little less devious than being, you know, addicted to meth. But but think about this for a minute. When all of a sudden you're really onto something. And it's changing when and where you eat your meals and, and you know, what, what, what you could, oh, no, that's coming, that's going to be on, and, you know, and, and you're flipping that on, you know. Uh, it, 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 it's, it's fascinating. It's truly fascinating what we've given ourselves to. And from all readings, what we can tell so far in this passage is that these disciples have given themselves to Jesus. In Matthew's Gospel, I, I think it's back in about chapter 21, but I'm, I'm just going to read this for you. Matthew gives what I call the short version 
of the prodigal son. And this is just a tiny parable. I think it's Matthew 21, 28. If I'm wrong, you'll let me know, I'm sure. But it's somewhere in the 20s there. This is the parable, the shorter version from Matthew. He says this. What do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, Son, go and work for me today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered. But he later changed his mind and he went. Then the father went to the older son and said the same thing. And he answered, I will, sir. But he never went. Jesus closes the parable simply getting getting this whole idea of obedience and worship before us. Which of the two did what the Father wanted? Wow. It's as simple as that. You give the wrong answer and do the right thing. That, that's, that's cool. Sometimes we... But, but oh, 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 how easy it is to give the right answer. To say the word. To, to give... Uh, give... Um, some kind of deference to worship, but not bend the knee. The disciples, to this point, it, it, it is clear that the disciples were able to come to both of these bars and stand before the Lord on that holy mountain in Galilee as obedient and worshipers. But, check this out. But some doubt it. Interesting. Now, you're going to you have to reach back. I mean, I, you may be thinking, I just kind of found that out there. I, oh, that, that is powerful. If this is not true, it shouldn't be in the text. But if it is true, what's he talking about? This can't be denied. I think this is the crux of the first two verses. This is where I really want to camp out. This is where I want to spend some time with us this morning. But, but some who were obeyers and worshipers of Jesus, some doubt it. So I'm just kind of linking that back to our response about rebirthing the church. I, I get it. We're all in. Kind of. You know? It's been a rough road. It's been a difficult time here. The guys, the, the, this, this, this group represents folks that have been really faithful and, 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 and sat in there when, when you didn't want to. And there's others. But, but, you know, but some doubted, says verse 17b. Wow. What happens when you doubt? Just, just think about that for a minute. What happens when you doubt? What, goes, what starts going on? What's, what's happening in the little chat room of the, of the mind, right? What's going on in that, that, that space? I believe that God allows doubt... There's a method to God's madness. There always is. A better way to say that is God moves in mysterious ways. 
Let me rescue the sermon right here by giving you the punchline before we get there, just so you'll stay with me. Doubt creates faith. Doubt creates faith. Now, the truth is, doubt plays both to our fears when we're listening to the thief, and doubt plays to faith when we're listening to the shepherd. Let me just talk about this. I just want to really flesh this out for us. We make, you know, we're, we're at the place of making new commitments. You know, praying and working and deciding, discerning and voting and bring them here with their three kids. You know, all that's going on. And as we've already said, it's not, it, it's, it, it can't be about the pastor. It's got to be us. Pastor gets one vote in a congregational church. <laughs> so, you know, it's us. It's all of us. So, here's here's what the passage is helping us understand. Doubt creates faith by increasing your questions. Now now the questions are coming up. We all decided it was all great, but now I'm starting to think about some stuff. I'm, I'm, you know, I, I, I'm sure the Dietrichs are too. I'm sure, you know, search committee, LT, councils gathering on, on Wednesday. All this new stuff. What, you know, so we, great idea. You know, follow Pastor Jeff. And then he, you know, gets to start the fire and leave, right? Uh, so I just, well, I'm kind of thinking about that too. You know, what's, what's going on here? You know, what's going on? It's increasing our questions, causing us to think and examine our situation. And from time to time, when the Old and New Testament says examine your life, that's exactly so. So you get to this point and a little twinge of doubt creates some questions that we can pay attention to. Doubt creates faith by identifying our limits. Mm, This is interesting. How much can I do? How much can I know as an individual? How much can we do and know as a group? And and will we lean on what we know or will we go beyond what we know? I think the act of forgiveness, not only does it make us a lot like God because God's the only one that can forgive everything, is is a great test of our limits. Most of us would say, especially in a case where we don't want to grant forgiveness. I've sat in on a number of those counseling. Pastor, you're reading that out of the book, I get that, but you just don't understand what they did to me. I just had to say, you're exactly right. I don't. But, But God, who put it in here, you know, understands it. Somehow, there's something going on. Because you see, if we don't forgive, chances are, as is almost always the case, that person we're we're just not going to forgive, they don't even know the grievance anymore. They're just living a happy life and we're all crumbed up in our lack of forgiveness. See how that works? So we, we know we should do it, but there's something going on there. We find our limits. Doubts help us to find some place at which um, I end and God begins. I think someone, 
more brilliant than myself, said, you know, at the end of your rope is the beginning of God because you've got to ask for something else. So getting some touch with your limits is really a good thing. In recovery, we would say, I can't, God can, and I will let him. Those are the first three of 12 steps. That someone takes a you know, good chunk of time just to get to that place of letting go. I can't. God can. We, theologically, we've all got that. I'm, I'm, am I going to let him? That's the doubt piece. I can worship. I can obey. But in some dark corner, where am I, am I willing? You know, you've heard me say this before. Am I willing to just clean up the cobwebs or am I going to kill the spider? Right? Because, because that's the deal, right? We, we clean up the cobwebs and some, at some point we're going to isolate that doubt and kill that spider. Or at least work on it. Because this is the road before us. Finally, just in this, these three things, leading, doubt creates faith by leading us to act. You see, your doubts, my doubts, are going to make me act in faith or fear, right? Uh, depending, if I'm listening to the, to, to the shepherd, I'm going to act in faith. But if I'm listening to the thief, oh, Jeff, it's not going to work out. I know you just said that to all those people, but you're really in a hurry. Just break the speed limit. Every time I do that, some guy drives up behind me with red and blue lights and, you know... Don't do it. Oh, do it. Oh, don't. Yes. So something about doubt creates faith by leading us to act. We are either led into our fears or we are led into God's way of faith. I, I love acrostics. I'm not good at it. I've got this friend that has this acrostic, and every time I use this, I, I keep telling myself I'm going to write this down and put it someplace, and then I forget it. But the, the word fear... Check this out. This is the word fear. False evidence appearing real. Okay? Fear. That, that, that's what it is, and, and that's, what, that, that's where we come to. And this whole idea about leading us to act in faith just balances on this piece. When we separate fear... You're going to write down one line today. Just write this one down. When we separate the fear from the facts, we find faith. That, that's, that's your discernment. The doubt part that brings up the fear. If we can, if we can work with what's fear and what's fact, and, and, and they, they kind of look the same sometimes, we will find a place where there's a, just enough room on the edge of this thing Find a place to sit for a moment and say, that's where my faith's going to be. I'm just going to hang on to that narrow ledge and make it work. And this is what God wants from us. This is what the disciples are finding out. We get, throughout the rest of the book of Acts, you get to find out all the foibles and the bloopers and the things that they do that kind of remind us that while they're obeying and worshiping, like we obey and we worship, we tend to to these doubts not only so we can kill the spider but so we can grow in great faith 
And God just keeps that before us, not as an agitation, but as a, as a, as a way of saying, I want to keep drawing you into a relationship with me that chases more of that worldly stuff away and brings in where I'm going. So I'm going to just, I'm, let's just assume this morning that obedience and worship is fine. Although, I, I, you know, if, if you're being really honest and you've got some obedience and worship issues, I, I think handling that is where we're at. But I, I just want to talk about doubt as we close for application. So, so here's uh, five things to think about. I, I wrote in your, I know in your outline it says, can you, I sometimes I... You know, I'm looking at it, I'm thinking maybe will you, can you, will you, whatever. Will you identify your doubts? Are you willing to stop and say, what is the doubt that I'm dealing with? Just identify it. Uh, you know, rebirthing the church, you know, what, what, whatever this is, we're just kind of starting. That's our, that's our chapel family thing together. But can, can, you, can you face what you would write on a piece of paper? Oh, yeah, that's me. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, got, got me. Got me right here. Identify. Articulate. Um, can you explain your doubt like you were telling it to another person? Now, this is really important for, for reasons I'm going to talk about in a minute. But can you explain your doubt? That's another thing that kind of happens in counseling sometimes. I, I get people, they'll come in and they'll say, I just don't know what that's all about with me. It just does that. And, and I have to, again, not try to be overly rude and just say, well, you know, <laughs> it is your life. You should know. Shouldn't be too many surprises now. Uh, so, so the articulation is to say, huh, why don't, how do I always allow myself to be surprised and hap- apprehended by this doubt? Am I leaving the door unlocked someplace? The window's open, the screens are on, but, you know, it's, it gets in. You see? It may be the proper work of cleaning the spider webs, but without killing the spider. Number three, am I willing to make it a conscious act of my prayer? My prayer life to... to to, to just kind of see this doubt in me every day uh, until all of a sudden I find myself praying in such a way that uh, I, I've, I'm not dealing with that. I think I'm dealing with this over here now. I'm sure God will find replacements. God wants all of us and we should, you know, that, that's, a, that's a, a, you know, to, be, to have that. So, so prayer. Um, number, number four, study. What is, what is the, once, you can, once you can identify, articulate, and pray, then you can open up that device or your Bible or start looking. What are the passages? Back of most Bibles have lists of those kinds of things. Uh, boy, if you've got one of those devices, you're into concordance, uh, you know, Bible summaries, dictionaries, commentaries. What does the Word say about this particular doubt to you in this particular time. I saw a friend last night. He had a t-shirt. It, uh, DTW. And I, I went, what, DT, what 
DDW, you know, it's, it's all fancy. It's, I could tell it was a church shirt. He's not, used to live in Valley Springs, now living in Lodi. Do the work was the shirt. You know, you have to finally ask him, you know, and then he wants to tell you. So, you know, do the work uh, to, to get up underneath some of these things that have maybe been the, the weakness of our, maybe it's, it's just part of our Christian limp. And we've just gotten used to it, and everyone's used to it with us. And we're all good with that. And I think there's something really compassionate about a church that can do that. But hey, what happens when people start getting, you know, really healed? And then act. Act in faith. God's going to give us something over the next four weeks. We're going to be spending some time. Uh, the councils meet this week, but over the next four weeks, and people on the councils don't even know this, I, I also have a method to my madness. Um, but we, we want to just each week, uh, starting throughout the rest of the weeks of, of September and, and the first week of October, reveal and focus on one of the councils and what they're doing and how you might get involved. They're feeling a little bit like, oh, we got to do all this, but all your friends are going to help you, right? And, and so this is going to give us a great opportunity to act. Identify, articulate, pray, study, act in this area of doubt. So I want to close this morning with a, with a story. Um, a, a, a gal had come home from uh, college and... Uh, her mom was there, and, and she'd been away for the semester, and, and just kind of, well, she was flustered, and, and she was frustrated, and things were chaotic in her life, and there was certainly doubt and confusion. And she just kind of came to her mom first thing after all the hug and all of that kind of stuff. Mom, this, that first semester of college was, that was a shipwreck out there. It was crazy, and, and here I was, and there was this, there was that, and what do I do? And, and her mom, in tremendous wisdom, just brought her into the kitchen, started some hot water. She said, oh, good, mom's going to make us some tea or something, but then started three pots of hot water. And she said, honey, do you think you could get uh, uh, an egg and a carrot, and, uh, and then up in the dry cupboard up there, could you just get a handful of coffee? Okay, Mom. I'm not, I'm not sure where we're going with all of this. So, uh, once all those three things get to a boil, Mom's just, you know, just kind of cutting the carrots up and whatnot, throws those into one pot, puts the egg in another pot, and then puts the coffee in the, in the third pot, boiling on the stove, and lets that go for 20 minutes. And they're just kind of, you know, kind of talking, and she's still revealing, you know, what, the, what, what it's all been about. And uh, get to the end of the 20 minutes or so, and, and, and mom just says to her daughter, what do you see here? She takes the three pots, and they put them on the aisle where they're sitting on the... On the the, uh, the seats there, and and she notices that uh, th those once hard carrots are almost mush. That that soft, uh, thinly protected egg is hard, and the coffee has changed the water. And she still says, "I'm I'm still relatively confused, Mom. I know I've been away. What have you been doing for the semester?" 
I, you know, did the alien snatch my mom? You know, and, and what does this mean? And, uh, and, and the mom cleverly, uh, you know, goes into saying that the, the, the once hard, strong, resilient carrots, after being beat up by that, the, the, the waters of doubt and stress and confusion turn to mush. And, and the eggs, the egg that had just a, a thin layer of protection couldn't protect it at all. And what, once what was soft and, and pliable has now become hard and negative and critical. You know, critical spirit. But she said the coffee, the coffee changed the water. The coffee changed the boiling waters of doubt and fear. She said to her daughter, you have everything you need to work with the contentious doubts and fears of your life in Christ should you choose to be something that works on the water instead of someone who gets worked by the water. 